Super Bowl weekend is upon us. Two days away from Super Bowl Sunday here on the Pylon. It is time for a late night edition of the Pylon, the full Super Bowl preview. Just for a little bit of context for everyone else listening, we are recording this at like past 10 o'clock on Thursday night because we couldn't find any other time during the week. And we were not going to skip the Super Bowl. So if that's not dedication, I don't know what else is, fellas. Like we are here, and I have to, the, and we all have to get up early tomorrow. Yeah, so. we we all have class tomorrow. Um, but this is, you know, it's we're college students, and this is this is what we do. So we are excited to be here. We're just going to be talking Super Bowl this entire episode. We got all the storylines, and then of course we're going to be doing the last pick of the year in the pick'em. I mean, it's already won. It's basically a done deal. But we will still make our picks regardless and you know just for bragging rights you know picking the super bowl winner is is very difficult every year i mean i one time i think picked like 6 or 7 in a row wrong so how are we doing how are we doing tonight fellas i guess pretty good i mean we're watching the nfl honors live right now i think they're about to announce the pro football hall of fame in mere moments here but yeah i mean we'll get to that in a little bit but yeah i mean super bowl weekend is upon us and it's it's, it's an exciting time you know yeah, super exciting. Super exciting to see the award winners um, who ended up winning um, and super excited for the game on Sunday. Very excited for the halftime show, too. Mm-hmm. I did not write that on the doc, but I do think mm-hmm. that it should be highlighted that this yeah. halftime show has high expectations. Eminem, Snoop Dogg, uh, Kendrick Dr. Mary Lamar, J. Blige, Dr. Wow. Dre. That is, yeah. that is a that is, wow. They're really spanning quite a few decades here, so you're going to be able to have like a pretty nice audience on hand to yeah. be able to enjoy this full performance. And back to the NFL honors, just for like a quick second. I mean, I know the ones that we know are confirmed right now. Uh, T.J. Watt is your defensive player of the year. Uh, Micah Parsons is your defensive rookie of the year. Jamar Chase is your offensive rookie of the year, and Joe Burrow is your comeback player of the year. I'm sure they've done other awards since like what I found out. Um, but those are the ones that I know off the top of my head. Um, so two Bengals, Michael Parsons, and T.J. Watt. I think all four of those. I don't really think we'd have any argument with any of those four. Not right. really, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree with any of those. I think those are. I mean, T.J. Watt, what he did, 20, almost breaking Michael Strahan's record, twenty-two and a half sacks. He tied it, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah, yeah and then I, he also missed a game. I think did he miss a game? He missed like three. Yeah, and you still get that. So whoever's whoever whoever's gonna say, oh, there's an extra game in there, you, know, you can't say that anymore. So great year for him. And then Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, obviously very close race, the comeback player of the year scenario there. I mean, Dak Prescott, you know, hurting his leg pretty bad last year, and then Joe Burrow hurting his leg bad too, uh, with the torn ACL, and then coming back and leads team the Super Bowl. So, you know, two well deserving honors there, but Joe Burrow edged him. So yeah. You know, I agree. Very good final race. I think Nick Bosa made um a good run for it too, but ended mm-hmm. up losing out to um Dak and Joe Burrow um as like the top two eventually. Joe Burrow, obviously very deserving, phenomenal year. You know, I mean, there's not really much to say about it because his team's in the Super Bowl and we're just gonna see more of what he's done all year, which is why he deserves the award. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And obviously, we'll talk about this a little bit more next week. Uh, Sneak peek next week is the Pileys Awards. So we'll just sit down here and we're basically, we're going to give our version of the awards. Um, They can be the same as what they were, you know, in this one, but it's all subjective to you. Uh, However you want it, whoever your MVP was, comeback player of the year, like whatever you want to do. Second annual Pileys, black tie optional. Just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, um, I can't. I can't wait for that. <laughs> We're watching the FL hours, but the Pileys is better. Don't. Yeah, oh, and by the way, Keegan Michael Key is absolutely dripped out on on the show right That's now. That's fantastic. So. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He, he's, he's got the swag on. <laughs> but let's hop into the big game. Obviously, the thing that you came here for. The Super Bowl, the Bengals and the Rams from SoFi Stadium out in Los Angeles. Second straight year that a team is actually hosting the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Except the Rams are the road team. Basically, because they, the, they don't have fans out they're there. They're going to be in their home locker room, but be the road team. The Bengals are going to be in the Chargers locker room. So it's – both teams are in home locker rooms. It's very weird. It it. I sometimes think they should, like, move the rules. Like, if the Rams are literally hosting, like, give them, let them be the home team. But it's kind of like last year – sorry to – just one more point. Like, the Buccaneers hosting last year, they didn't fire off the cannons until the ending for every touchdown for the Buccaneers. They're just kind of weird. 
even though they were the home well, team. Well, okay, I think that's that's a little much. Yeah. I think. If you're like actively like favoring the home team in the stadium, I think that's a bit much. <laughs> um, but like I said, at least let them you know let them wear their home unis, even though yeah. the, the uniform matchup is so mm-hmm. clean. It looks so good. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm really excited for it. But I guess before we hop into a bunch of these storylines, I just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts of just you know maybe really quick of just like it's a different Super Bowl this year. You know, it's finally like it feels like different teams, even though we just had the Rams like three years ago. But it's like it it feels new, and to me that feels good. I think the best representation of what the Super Bowl is is, like, the tweets I've seen. Like, this is, like, year 10 of your Madden franchise, and you don't make the Super Bowl. These are just the two random teams that are out there that make it. I've been there. This is absolutely that. The Bengals had, like, honestly no business being here at the beginning of the year. Nobody could have seen them in this position. They were pretty much a consensus bottom team in the AFC much less the division. The I didn't, division. I, yeah, I didn't see anyone picking them to finish anything higher than possibly third in the North because some people thought the Steelers would finish last. Yeah, I have. Um, but uh, nobody had them higher than third. I mean, nobody. I didn't see a single person. Exactly. So, some yeah. people had them on par with where the Jets would be, and to see them here is phenomenal. And mm-hmm. the Rams, again, like that's just an all-star team playing a football game. It's ridiculous how much talent they have, and I think it's – Gonna breed a fun matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm looking. For, the Jalen Ramsey Jamar Chase matchup is. I cannot wait for that, and we're gonna talk about that in, in more in a second. But that matchup is gonna be amazing. And then the storylines with the Bengals, you know, only having four wins last year to being in this position, and the Rams, you know, going all in before the season and mid season with the Von Miller trade. It's just like it's kind of like a David versus Goliath matchup. I think. Yeah, it's two different ways that they've really yeah. built their teams. I mean, you have the Rams who have gone all in, as you said, mm-hmm. trading for Matthew Stafford in the offseason, trading for Von Miller, trading for Jalen Ramsey a few years back. Like, that's how they built this team. They're really going for it, and mm-hmm. it's almost like a team that they bought. The Bengals is almost strictly built through the draft with a few, like, Trey Hendrickson and, you know, Larry Ogunjobi who helped them get, like, here, and Eli Apple, Mike Hilton, that- all these players that they've signed. Like, they've signed key pieces, but most the core – is all out of the draft. draft yeah. Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. They drafted Uzama. Most of the O line is people that they've drafted. The defense, like Jesse Bates, players like that. Like it's all through the draft, and those were all there. So it's really unique to see two team building styles meet and to prove that there is no there is no specific way to win in the NFL. Like mm-hmm. rebuilds should never take that long, and you should be able to, you know, do this. But yeah. Yeah, and I was I was gonna say like they have so much cap space in this off season. They have, I think they have like sixty something, fifty million cap space this off season, and you know they built strictly through the draft. Like you said with Trey Hendrickson, that's the only exception. But yeah, I think if I mean it's just for the Super Bowl for, for after the Super Bowl, whoever wins or loses, yeah, the Bengals have to address that O line and free agency. Like just go all in on that O line, but. We'll see. We'll see how that turns out for them. That team with an O line is going to have expectations. Yeah, I will say though, you did mention like all their cap space. I do think that this offseason they're going to have to be a little bit careful with it. Oh yeah, because they're going to have a lot of they're going to have a lot of contracts coming up, and their owner has always been historically more of a cheap one. Um, He does not tend to re-sign players. Um, Obviously, with Burrow, I don't. He's not going to have a choice. But I would be interested to see decisions he makes. Like, I mean, I'd be interested. To, like, does he honestly on Jamar Chase? Does he give Jamar Chase big money? Does he give he T. Higgins better. big money? I, the problem is he, historically he never has. But jo- Joe Burrow is going to be a no-brainer. He's going to have no choice but to pay Burrow. Especially like, with that. Sorry for cutting you off. But yeah, that track record with AJ Green when they gave him yeah. that contract and he just burned I, out. I think past Chase two years. might get signed too. But you got to talk about people like Tyler Boyd's going to be coming up here in a few years. T Higgins is coming up. Like. If you want to pay Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow the money that they're probably worth, it, it's the same situation we talked about with the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. Like, you're going to have to let something go. And eventually, you're not going to have this team forever. It's just impossible. Yeah. I mean, and Joe Burrow's only in his second year. I mean, he's got like, I think like two or three more years in his rookie he's deal. He's eligible for an extension after next season. Yeah, I mean, sign after three I just think they should sign like a, one of the one of the big name tackles in free agents, just like one of them. Mm. I don't know, like a Trent Brown or a Teron Armstead. I think he's a free agent. Armstead is a free. I mean, agent. those are like really good tackles yeah. that they need to go after, and I think I would draft one in the first round too. Exactly, well, like they have to address the offensive line. So yeah. I mean, if they if they feel good enough, I could see them trading up. 
Yeah. I mean, it depends. Yeah. You're going to have the capital. I mean, they've been stocking picks for years. So, you know, that's that. But as we talk about, kind of two different styles. But let's kind of jump into the teams here. I want to start with the Rams. Um, just like we said, they kind of added, have added pieces along the way. It's been very unique. This is a thing we usually see in the NBA. We don't normally see a lot of NFL teams try and do this. And here the Rams are doing this. And I, you know, it's put in the agenda. And I think it's fair. One of the biggest, if not the biggest addition to their team has been Odell Beckham Jr., who they signed late in the season after he was released by Cleveland. And I mean, there's no way they're, they're probably not here if they don't have him. Because, I mean, you even look back at the regular season week. The second to last week of the season, week 17 against the Ravens. It was a fourth and five. The Rams were down by seven, or they were down by like six, and they needed a touchdown to go win the game. It was a fourth and five, and Odell Beckham made yeah, like right there. massive catch. And if they don't win that game, and then, you know, if all things play out again, they lose to the Niners, they don't win the division. They're on the road probably in the first round. Like they're not in, they're not hosting any of these playoff games. And so it's a lot harder road. And then, I mean, even in the postseason, he's made some really big plays. But, I mean, just overall, I mean, your guys' thoughts on his impact on the Rams, I guess. I mean, the way he was able to fit in, like, it seemed from probably three weeks in, he seemed pretty good in that offense. And then from then on, he really took off. And I think he found a situation. I don't, I'll be interested to see what he does this offseason because he's definitely revived interest in himself. But I think L.A. likes him, like, going forward. And I don't know if they can afford Cup, Woods, and Beckham on long-term deals. So that'll be interesting. But I think he turned 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 it into a good year, good performance. And I don't think they are in the Super Bowl without him, realistically. Like, he just allows Cooper Cup to be Cooper Cup. And honestly, if he wasn't there and Robert Woods went down... Van Jefferson would not have been able to replace that kind of take the positions off Cooper Cup. Yeah, and I think, you know, in Cleveland, you know, we could talk about his his dad and stuff and he wasn't really happy. You know, he's he he's shut his mouth and he's made the made the plays for them. Um and I think that's what Odell's that's what he is. And you saw then you saw it with the Giants, you saw it in some parts in Cleveland and he's showing he's showcasing his talents every week here and you know, yeah, I agree, Minnie. If they if they didn't make that free agent acquisition for Odell, I don't think they'd be in the spot because, you know, with if with no Robert Woods, you, you can double team Cooper Cup, and you're who, who's your second target? Van Jefferson, like Higby. but Higby's hurt. Higby's hurt right now, even so, though he is expected yeah. to play. Yep. Yeah. So, but know. the thing that I've always learned from Odell, and I mean, it's observing him. I mean, obviously, I've I've seen Odell's whole career, but having him on my team for two and a half seasons. Odell is very quiet when he's happy, and he's very loud when he's not. And that's one of those things of he was always loud in Cleveland because he was never happy. And it's one of those things that I just don't think is – I it, to me it feels a little bit – people over overlook it, the fact of the moment he was traded to Cleveland, he never wanted to be there. He could say anything that he wanted. He could wear anything he wanted. He could get a brown – like an orange Rolls Royce as his you know, Browns mobile and do whatever the heck he wanted – he never wanted to be there. Like, in fact, the rumors are he basically re- he requested a trade almost a month into it. Like, mm-hmm. by April, he wanted out. And it's just one of those things, like, he wanted to make a point to try to throw Baker under the bus. by So he tried to improvise on his routes and do all those things to prove that he was open. But it's like there's a difference between open and open within the offense. And like I said, I don't. I've said this before. I don't think it's anyone's fault. Like what didn't work. Like it didn't work out in Cleveland. It just didn't work out. It's just one of those things. Like it doesn't always work out. It's not a seamless transition like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase had, or like Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins had. It there's there's chemistry involved, and they just never had it. Um, and like I said, I mean, I'm happy for him. I think this is it's a unique spot for him. The first time we're ever seeing him in the Super Bowl. He first time he ever had a playoff win was this year. Um, I mean, technically he was on a team that won a playoff game last year, but he didn't play in the game. But it's just, you know, one of those things like it's time, Odell, like it's time to prove that you belong here and it's time to prove that this is like what you were supposed to be for. You know, this is you have an opportunity here to really prove your worth here. If you can help them win a Super Bowl by signing with them midseason. I mean, that's remarkable. You don't see many players have this type of impact, especially with just the journey that Odell's had to get here. So absolutely. Yep. 
So for this next one, I mean, again, another addition kind of in the offseason and one of the one of the two quarterbacks in this game. It, it, it's a fascinating quarterback matchup. It's actually fantastic. But I want to kind of give Manit the floor here as our you know, resident Lions fan and, you know, Matt Stafford appreciator, I guess Enthusiast. is the word. Enthusiast. Uh, but, like, it is Stafford's redemption. Uh, he'd been through a lot, um, not just with everything he had to deal with with Detroit, but you know, his family's been through a lot of, you know, difficult things, and he really, you know, he deserves this. He deserves to have the opportunity to win and prove it on the biggest stage. And now he's going to have that opportunity. And, you know, just your thoughts, Manny. Um, I think, you know, I'm excited. I'm happy that he, um, that he is in this position. It's really exciting for me to see personally, um, you know, after wanting to see him in that position in a Lions uniform for so long. But I think, you know, he made adjustments to his game. Like, there were significant dif- – not significant difference, but there were noticeable differences to his game um, from Detroit. And he definitely felt a lot more comfortable to sling it. He has a history of doing it in Detroit, but he definitely felt a lot more comfortable doing it in L.A., and I think Sean McVay's offense really helped with that. And the fit with the offense really helped with that. And I'm glad that he's in this position, and I hope he can execute well. Yeah, I agree. You know, going to L.A. this this season, he's been able to elevate this Rams team. You know, what they had with Jared Goff a year ago. I mean, they were they had the number one defense, and they won a playoff game. But it, it just showed that Jared Goff wasn't their guy. And then going to get Stafford really elevated them. And... You know, to, to to see what Stafford's done with this team is just pretty remarkable. Um, everyone's everyone's given him given him hate in Detroit in the last few years, saying he's not the guy and stuff. They should just trade him. And I think I think he's proven a lot of his doubters wrong. So I don't know I don't know what what you Lions fans have to say you know say about that. Like like have have Lions fans like doubted him over the last couple of years? Like cause so like when he left, there was always that yeah. like argument between like the Stafford stands and the Stafford non-stands mm-hmm. about yep. whether or not he had enough to do in Detroit or enough like around him in Detroit and I think the way that it can best be put is he never had enough to make a run he never had enough around him to make a run it was always he always had something good around him whether it was a talented wide receivers room or a good defensive group or towards the end of his career, he had pretty good running backs around him with carry on and DeAndre Swift um, towards the end of his career in Detroit. But it's, they were never able to put a full team around him. And that's what the Rams are showing right now, where they have a full wide receivers room. They have a very talented running backs room. Those three could probably start on most teams in the NFL. Henderson, Sonny Michelle and Cam Akers. Interesting, they would, interesting they would, order you put them in. I mean, I was <laughs> no, I know you're just in no specific order. No, you're but good, you're good. They could be like they could compete for snaps in most mm-hmm. teams in the NFL, and I think that shows you know that O line is probably again towards the end of the career, towards the end of his career in Detroit. The O line was pretty good. It's the be- one of the best he's ever had in L A. The defense again, I mean, not even close. They did have the the Lions had the number one defense in. Ooh, 2012-2013 when Sue was there. They made the playoffs and everything. But I, you can't even compare it to this. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Von Miller, Dante Fowler. Like, it's ridiculous. Leonard Floyd. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, um, like I said, I mean, I'm happy for Stafford. And I'm kind of one of those guys. Like, I'm one of the strange guys right now. Like, not a Lions fan. Like, so I don't have, like, this, like, supernatural draw to Matt, Matthew Stafford. Like, I always respected him. He dominated the Cleveland Browns. Um, in fact, like whatever he had that, uh, they were oh showing that, God, that that video clip. was going around of when yeah. he he dislocated his shoulder in the middle of the game, that was, that was and insane. then like comes back in and throws the touchdown pass with his shoulder still separated. <laughs> Ridiculous against the Browns, a game that the Browns never should have lost. Um, but that was the Cleveland. Do you Browns remember that? Him. Did you watch I, that? So that was before I actually we had like Sunday ticket in my house, so we weren't able to watch the Browns ever. Because they were never nationally televised. Nobody cared. Um, so we would, like, be tracking the game on our computer or whatever. But, like, they were playing the were Lions. Were you in Michigan then? 
I actually think you're right though. They were playing the Lions. I don't. I did not watch the game personally. My dad did. Um, but also I think we were busy that day. We had something we had to do. It was a Sunday, and yeah, I don't remember. Sunday what. errands happened. We had to do something. Like I think like my sister was like doing something like significant, like a recital or something. And my dad's like living and dying, like like he's tracking the game, whatever. And then he's like, we lost. Um, of course we did. But that's like what that's like my favorite Stafford memory. And again, it happened against my team. That's why I remember it the most. But it's just kind of like one of those things, like, you know, quarterbacks all the time. Like, it's just about the talent around them. Like we talk about this with the rookies right now. Like you look at the team Trevor Lawrence has and the team Zach Wilson has, and you know, to an extent, the team that Justin Fields has. Like they're not going to succeed in the situation that they're in right now because the team around them simply is not good enough to win at this level. It just isn't. And it's not their fault that they're not winning. It's just the fact of, well, I mean, okay, I guess Zach Wilson a couple times it was his fault. But, like, yeah. But, I mean, every quarterback has those games. Like, every quarterback is going to throw four interceptions in one game. Patrick Mahomes threw four interceptions in a game this year. Like, it happens. But at the same time, like, like I said, he deserves this opportunity to, you know, Prove that he wasn't a you know I don't think anyone's trying to say that he was a bust at number one. I mean he was the slam dunk that year. There was no really com- there was no real competition. But to to live up to that status of I am more than the team around me that I can that I can take a team that has talent on it and take it to the highest level. Something that he was never gonna get in Detroit just just with the way that team was run and just how everything kind of worked out. Um, but they're on lines are on to bigger and better things. And like I said, many last a couple weeks ago, I think their future's bright. I think they have the right man at the helm. I think they have they they have alignment in the front office, which is always important. They just have to start evaluating talent. And Cooper Cup is just one offensive player of the year. That's yeah. I actually that's I thought they were gonna screw that up and they didn't. I, I'm glad they didn't. Cooper Cup's actually rocking a really nice beard, by the way. That is yeah. like, that, incredible. He's been growing that out for a minute. Since the beginning of the yeah. year, yeah. he's been it's working on It's the victory that. beard. You can't shave it now. Oh, no, absolutely not. Um, that is a phenomenal beard. But, you no, right. I'm actually glad that they made the right decision. I thought they were going to go in another direction with it. Um, that's that's awesome. I mean, Cooper Cup had an incredible season. And we were talking about the Rams right now. Cooper Cup's not even on the agenda, but shout out Cooper Cup. Um, Offensive player of the year for Really quickly before we move on, I wanted to ask Jay, well, did you see any of the rumors on Bears Twitter this week? About, about Devontae uh, Adams? Yeah, Devontae. Oh, yeah, Devontae, Devontae Adams. Adams. And there was, like, some Justin Fields trade rumors happening, too. Just, no, that was, like, a while. Justin Fields, that was, like, it a might few have been weeks like, ago. That's... It, it might have been between the last We'll give you podcast. Baker and a bag of chips. No. They, they were, like, Field, there, there's no there way some ridiculous hell. rumors. There's no way in hell they're, they're trading Justin Fields. But Devontae Adams, look. That's a lot of money. He's going to be the Bears are going to have like I think around 50 million in cap space if they don't re-sign James Daniels and a couple other guys, but um Devontae Adams is going to be looking for like probably what 30 million a year, maybe like 27, Look, 28 shut, million. I'm just going to shut this down right now. There is no way Devontae Adams is not franchise tag. I'm not saying he's going to play well, they for have, the, they have cap issues. I'm not saying he's not but you can you okay, you can if you're they going, can totally manipulate it. But you like, you can do it to keep your own player. You're allowed to go over the salary cap. It, That's a rule in all sports. But what I will say, I I'm not saying he's going to play a snap for the Packers next season. It could be a very similar Le'Veon Bell situation. There is no way the Packers let Devontae Adams see free agency. There is no way. I I cannot imagine they let him sniff free agency. He will be tagged the moment they're allowed to. I mean, I mean, it's look, it's honestly cheaper than what they have to pay him, so it makes sense. Devontae Adams on the Bears, look, that's Justin Fields' number one weapon, no doubt. But that's Plus, a lot. You that's a ton of money. If you don't tag Devontae and he's Adams, you have no chance of keeping Aaron Rodgers. You have none if you let Devontae Adams walk. So I think it's gonna. I just I can't imagine a world where they let him walk. I I can't. Because I mean, and I get it. They're in cap. They they are in cap. Hell, it is not a good place They're to be right now. They're honestly worse off but, than the Saints right but, now. Well, that's They're close. Debatable. They're close, but the Saints are in a really rough spot. But what I like, you're allowed to keep your own players even if you go over the salary cap. That is like written into the CBA. That's NBA. That's anything. Like you are allowed to go over the cap to keep your own players. Um, it, except for like you know, obviously, like we were just talking about the Bengals. Like you can't like manipulate it that much. But like in terms of a franchise tag. It can work, um, so 
that's one of those things for them that they're going to have to worry about. But the Packers are not relevant right now, so we're not going to talk about them, even though Devontae Adams, shout-out, actually had a great season. So Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's a great player, but he's 29 years old. That Like, he'd be really good on the Bears, but, like, 29 years old, he's going to get, like, a six-year deal. Like, that's that's a risky contract. Yeah. Like, I, I would love a free agent if he's, like, 26, like what we got with Allen Robinson, but 29's risky, so... That's a conversation for another day. So, so yeah. sticking with the Rams a little bit, their defense has really turned it up since, I guess, the Von Miller trade. Even though Von Miller didn't play, I think, for them like the first week or so because he was still injured. But he's he actually had a really good game in the NFC title game. Uh, he actually supplied the final pressure. Him, well, him, and, it was a combination of him and Aaron Donald that made Jimmy G throw. I have no idea what that pass was uh, that sealed the game. But they're playing really well. Jalen Ramsey is doing his thing. They're even though they are running a lot of zone. So it's not a lot of man. Um but their concepts are well. They have a very young secondary that's doing really well. Shout out Jordan Fuller, Buckeye. One of the best safeties in the NFL. So that's what happens when you stay in college for four years, kids. But um what do you guys think? Rams defense. Uh yeah, I mean their pass rush is nasty. I think it's gonna be a big issue for that off the Bengals offensive line. I mean, when you have Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd, and then you have Jalen Ramsey back there, I mean, that's why you're one of the best defenses in the league when you have firepower all over the field like that. So there's no other way to put it. I mean, like Aaron Donald Aaron Donald's he's just trying to get his ring. I mean he's already in Canton. He's he's probably he's probably gonna go down probably the best defensive end of all time, like you could say, right? Lawrence Taylor. Okay, well, did Lawrence menace. Taylor win a ring? Win a ring? Yes, he did. I believe. Won, oh, yeah, he, oh, he won, won the, the wide right. Well, he was on the wide right team when uh, on Nor- Norway. Aaron Donald's going to be up there with Lawrence Taylor. I think for he won the best. He might have won too. I don't know. Lawrence Taylor. Aaron Donald right. gets that ring. Like he's no, he's, he's close. He's right. There's Reggie White too. Yeah, he's a beast. <laughs> that dude was a beast. <laughs> Yeah. Reggie White and Lawrence Taylor might have a debate with that. I I get, I totally understand what you're saying. I think you're valid, but he's still got some work to do. I'd say. Yeah, like uh, I get what Jay's saying. Like yeah, if no, he I continues on the track, like you can't yes. really yes defeat that. that. I mean, yeah, dude, they have three Hall of Fame Hall of Famers on that defense: Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, and Von Miller. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's amazing. And on the offensive side, Cooper Cup, like, like. As of right now, like we'll see how he does the rest of his career, but he could probably be in Canton. Stafford, maybe. You think he, you think Stafford's gonna get in Canton? He's gotta win another ring. I think Stafford's gonna have to win multiple rings. Cause like here's the thing, like you're talking about Eli Manning. Like if Eli Manning doesn't have two rings, he's probably not a Hall of Famer. If Eli Manning has one ring, I think it's questionable. If he now that Eli has two, it's a slam dunk. He's gonna be fine. But like. Stafford is not – those years in Detroit are going to hurt him. They're going to hurt him a lot. And, again, it's not his fault. I just – they're not – like, I mean, Eli was took the Giants like that. Like, they were good. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself talking about the Hall of Fame – these Hall of Fame players on the Rams, but, like, <laughs> that they still have a lot of years left. Well, but no, but you're, you're right. I mean, you could pencil Aaron Donald in right have. now. Yeah. I just think – Jalen Ramsey probably – Talking about him. talking about him based on players – and, again, I've never watched some of the players that I mentioned. I've never seen them play in my life. But hearing stories about them, I mean, just hearing from my dad, he told me Lawrence Taylor was literally – he said he is the greatest athlete I've seen in my lifetime. He's like, he was literally unblockable. You could throw one at him, two at him, three at him. You could chip him. You could do whatever it needs to. He's like, he was – Aaron Donald's this generation's yeah. Lawrence Taylor. Like, yeah, and people yeah. have compared him to that. So I'm, I'm not saying that he isn't. It's just, to me, like, <clears throat> Lawrence Taylor, man, that dude is just – and still today, he is such a, like – I'm terrified of him now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never even met the guy. But, Minnie, you got any thoughts? I mean, I was scrolling through Instagram today and I saw a clip of Donald. If Tyler Boyd at, Tyler Boyd was asked by the media um, what his most, or when he knew Aaron Donald would be a star. Cause Mike Vrabel just won coach of the year. Yeah. They were teammates at Pitt. And um, Tyler Boyd was like, he was hurt and playing this game and. The pit was up and Duke was coming back, and they needed a fourth down stop. And Aaron Donald just broke through the line, and tackled both the quarterback and the running back at the same time. 
And, like, I think that just kind of speaks. Are you talking about the one where Aaron Donald's in midair? No, like, he just, like, literally just breaks the line by oh, himself. Oh, you're, like, you're, you're talking about Pitt. My bad. Walks through totally it and that. just tap, brings yeah. down both the quarterback and the running back. It was a read option, and he just catches the quarterback in the middle of the read and brings them both down. It's ridiculous. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Aaron Donald taken in the same draft as Jared Goff? Uh, Aaron Donald selected in... Because he was the 13th pick. I know Aaron Donald's pick 13th. He was in the he was in the Derek Carr and Khalil Mack draft, I think, right? Was it? I think that was 2012, oh, I'm 13. Looking, I'm looking no, 14. We, we took Ebron over. And yeah, that Lions that, fans. That's okay, not, Aaron not Donald bad. was drafted in 2014, so yeah, that was. He was before. in the Khalil. Golf was 2017, so yeah, that was way early. That um, draft that draft was. Stacked. Oh, okay. Well, here actually here's a here's an interesting thing that I can throw in here. Here were the 12 players drafted before Aaron Donald. Jadavian Clowney. Okay, that's, fair. that's he's fair. decent. At the time, that's at the fair. time, I mean, he's a great run Oof, defender. This is this is a tough one. Greg Robinson, Yikes. huge bust. Oh, it, he just got in trouble again. Yeah. Um, we won't mention that though. Blake Bortles, bust, taken over Aaron Donald. Sammy Watkins, yeah, who was probably arguably yeah, at the time of. the best college receiver I'd ever seen. Um, that dude was nuts in college. He was nuts. Um, so again, I don't at the time I can see it. Khalil Mack, fair. Um. Jake Matthews, the tackle, who's still the tackle for the Falcons. He's all right. He's been very good. It, it's a tackle, you know. Uh, story continues. Mike Evans was picked okay. seventh by Beast. Tampa Bay. Uh, oh, my gosh. The Browns. Justin Gilbert. Oh, no. Eighth overall by the Browns. Yikes. Yeah. Arguably their biggest bust of all time because guess what? In that same draft, they took Johnny Menzel. Worst first round of Wow. Anthony Barr. Another solid player. player. He can't stay healthy right now, though. Bart is good. I was a big fan of Anthony Bart going into the draft. So he went ninth to Minnesota. Tenth was, you mentioned it, the Lions picked Eric Ebron. Bust. Titans took Taylor Lewan. That's a good player. I forgot he went that high. You know, he's very good. Again, it's like a tackle. Like, for those teams, like, if you take a tackle in the first round, it's because you have a need tackle. And, like, fortunately, actually, the two that did in this draft, it worked out. What's going on? MVP oh, time. Oh, they didn't Peyton Manning. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be Aaron Oh, and Rogers. then the last player picked before Aaron Donald is now teammate Odell Beckham Jr. to the Giants at number 12. And honestly, that's probably fair. And then Aaron Donald went 13th to the Los Angeles Rams. Or St. Louis Rams. St. Louis fact, Rams. They were still in St. Louis. Yeah. He, played one, he played two years in St. Louis before going out to LA, or even maybe three. Um, but, yeah, those were the 12 players taking ahead of Aaron Donald. And honestly, I would say, like, at the time – most Six of, of those was, pan out. I would say, like, it was fair. Like, I mean, Clowney was the slam dunk number one pick. I, I'm not going to, like, discredit the Texans for doing that. Like, Khalil Mack, home run. Odell, like, fine. The two tackles, I say, yeah, you're good. Like, it's just, like, Justin Gilbert, Eric Ebron. Like, yeah, that's kind of rough. But now let's flip it over to the other side. There's another team to talk about. Cincinnati Bengals. America's darlings, the team that... Nobody expected to be at this point. Dare we say they are LSU North, because literally like half the roster is from LSU. I mean, yeah. Um, there basically is Jamar Chase and Burrow. They have some on the defensive side too. It's it's like, and they think they have a tackle that's or a lineman that's from LSU. Like not a tackle necessarily, but like they're they're crazy. Like it, they're LSU North. But uh, how about how about that guy Joe Burrow? Just you know the guy how about from, him. I mean, he's a small town kid from Ohio, goes to Ohio State, gets his degree from Ohio State, transfers to LSU to play football, has a horrible first season at LSU, yet horrible for LSU, is still <laughs> making the Fiesta Bowl. He gets blown up in that game, gets hit really hard, never lost a college game after that. Yeah, I mean, he's just an absolute beast. He is, he really is. He's Joe Cool. He is, Joe. I mean, what, he, what he's done in his second year, especially speaking of comeback player of the year, he. Blowing out his ACL and to be able to do this in his second year, take his team to the Super Bowl at this age is absolutely nuts. As we're watching Aaron Rodgers winning his, <laughs> was his third MVP? Fourth. Fourth and MVP. And back to back. And yeah. by the way, I'm not digging the hairstyle. He said he was doing that for his Halloween costume when he dressed up as the John greasy Wick. greasy hair is not a look. But no, well, no, he said he was doing it to dress up as John Wick for Halloween. And I'll give him credit for that. But like, Aaron, Halloween was three months ago. It is time to cut the hair, buddy. Okay, it does it's look time like, to he move does on. look like John Wick. I'm not gonna lie. I think that's what he's going for. But 
you know, yeah, congrats to Aaron Rodgers. Another shout out, Aaron Rodgers, MVP of the league, breaking live on the pylon. You heard it here first, even though this won't come out till probably tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and we already know it coming in. So. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, like I said about Joe Burrow, just it's amazing what that team has done uh, under his watch. I mean, still got like a ton of years left him in in him. So, but yeah, I mean, him and Jamar Chase are gonna be connected for years. So yeah. So, anything else, Manit? I mean, I just think, yeah, the LSU connection is nuts. It's going to be cool to see. I think, I don't know, I think they'll dip into that pipeline again. We've been seeing it more with NFL teams of late. I think the Patriots could be thinking of it if Williams or Mechie fall. I could see it. Mechie is a, definitely a faller candidate with that injury. And I would not be surprised if New England snagged him up. We see it in Miami and Philly as well. Um, so I think it's cool to see the connection, and I hope we see more of it. Yeah, I mean, you'd look at the three, the top three receivers taken in this class all went to quarterbacks that they played with in college. Jamar Chase went to Joe Burrow, uh, who they played together at LSU. Uh, the Dolphins have Jalen Waddle, who did play with Tua for, I think, a season. And then, obviously, the Eagles take Devontae Smith, who did play a season with Jalen Hurts, including the national championship season when Devontae Smith caught the game-winning touchdown pass in overtime. So, you know, it's very interesting. And all three of those seem to work out really well. I mean, we are. I mean, we can talk enough about Jamar Chase, and we're going to talk about him a little bit more here coming up. But, like, Jalen Waddell setting a reception record and Devontae Smith actually having a very under-the-radar, solid rookie season. Um, I'd like to see more of it, and... As I've said, I don't know if I've said it on the show before, but now it like makes me wonder, going back two drafts ago, when CeeDee Lamb was available, if the Browns should have taken CeeDee Lamb to put it with Baker. I, I wonder if it would have worked out. But they took Jedrick Wills instead because they desperately needed a left tackle, and I, I cannot hate him for the pick. It just it kind of leaves me to wonder, like what, hap- what would have happened if the Browns would have selected CeeDee Lamb? Like, I... I mean, they have a really good offensive line, even if they don't have Wills. Well, yeah. at the time, they didn't, though. Like, they were coming off a really rough season where they didn't have an O-line. Greg Robinson was their left tackle, and it was really, really bad. And so they took Wills to, like, make sure that they had their left tackle locked up, and then they signed Jack Conklin, and then, like, they got Wyatt Teller for, like, a seventh-rounder from the Bills, and, like, the rest is history. But, like, I just kind of go back, and I just kind of wonder, like, what would have happened in that situation? Like, would would they have connected as well as these two did? Because Baker and CeeDee Lamb were ridiculous in college. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So, but enough for that. You know, Joe Burrow's awesome. We all know that. Um, it's impossible not to like the guy. He's going to be one of those guys, like, in a way, he is very similar to Brady because, like, as much as some people may hate him, you know, it's impossible not to like the guy. He's just a stand-up human being, and he's just – He's everything yeah. that you would want in a franchise quarterback, and the only reason you would hate him is because you don't have him. So, yep. now let's talk about his running mate, Jamar Chase, out of LSU. We've already been talking about him, you know, basically all show, and you know he is he was announced tonight as offensive rookie of the year as he should have been, but just I mean, he's getting comparisons to a young Randy Moss. I mean, which is I mean that's absurd. That's an absurd standard to live up to. Uh, Randy Moss is one of the players that I'm still, like, lucky enough to say, like, I got to see him play. But, like, to have a player like this compared to Randy Moss, who is right up there as has an argument for greatest wide receiver of all time. Yeah, I mean, it, what what he's being able to – what he's done in his rookie season, I mean, his speed is is on, other, is on another planet. It kills. I mean, yes, like like they say, speed kills, and that's what Jamar is. I mean, what he what he's done in his rookie year with that connection with Joe Burrow is just on another level. So that's all that's all I really got. Yeah, and, what he's done as a deep threat to receiver and just as a receiver in general, as a player in general, is just absolutely vital to the Bengals' success, and they would not be in the Super Bowl without him. I mean, but I mean, there's not much else to say, really. Like he just. Keeps doing what he's doing. He did this in college, and it's ridiculous to see it him do it again on NFL talent. Yeah, I mean, I, I said this a couple episodes ago when I was talking about the Chiefs, too, but the thing that separates the, the great wide receivers from the good wide receivers is simply their speed. It It really is, and that's the thing that I think for a lot of teams they lack 
they go for the receiver that you know maybe has they're tall they're big they, they're physical and go up the ball you can coach football into speed you cannot coach speed into a football player it's something they either have or they don't and jamar chase absolutely has it i mean the the play against the chiefs in week 17 where like he took the it was a curl route and he had like six guys in front of him he makes a cut and he outran all of them and then against tennessee on that little screen pass the same thing happens he catches it there's like three dudes in front of him and he just outran them he didn't have to break tackles. He really didn't have to do anything. He's just that guy. And, you know, the Bengals took a lot of heat for picking him. A lot of heat, um, including from myself. Uh, I was I thought that they should have gone with the tackle. But, you know, some people just know what they're doing. And, you know, the Bengals still have work to do on the offensive line. But they know that. But if they would have taken Penny Sewell, they wouldn't have Jamar Chase. And they probably, I would say, definitely would not be here. I agree with Manit in that sense. But Manit. Yesterday, I heard you talking about another wide receiver on the Bengals. Yeah, I'm. And I, honestly, I want I want you to I want to give you the moment to allow Mr. Higgins to have his moment. Yeah. So I said the other day that T. Higgins I think is a better overall receiver than Jamar Chase, which is, I agree, not a, not a popular take. Yeah, at all. But I think I put it earlier, like. Chase is more vital to the Bengals' success, absolutely. He's a better deep threat receiver. He's got more speed, and he's that home run guy that wins them the games. But I think in the nitty-gritty, T. Higgins is just a better overall receiver in that he can get you production at all three levels of your receiving game. I mean, that's fair, but are you saying Jamar Chase can't? Yeah. I'm no, I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying if I were to take a short gain pass or like a medium gain pass, I would prefer T Higgins to take it. Okay, I, I, I'm just going to spin this question one way because you say you think he's the all around better receiver. But if you had to take one receiver for your team, which one would you take? Jeez. I'm taking exactly. what, what, what are we What are we talking about then? But, like T. Higgins, T. Higgins is a really good receiver. I'm not trying to say he's not. He was on my fantasy team he, this year. No, you, and he did I really took well him too. Before before the season, I said he was going to be had a. Yeah. I predicted he have a he had he'd had a DK Metcalf type of breakout season. Didn't really, but at the end of the season played pretty well. Played T. Really T. Higgins good. is a number one receiver on a lot of teams in the NFL. The only reason he's not is because Jamar Chase is also there. I think. But to me, it just I don't know. I just I don't know how. I think part of that Chase. Enigma is built with the Joe Burrow connection too. I think a lot of that, like Chase succeeds in Cincinnati along with Joe Burrow and is better because of Joe Burrow. I don't think he would be as successful if he was somewhere else. Like well, you say, that's the case for anything though. But I mean, you could argue the same thing about, you know, Mac Jones and, um, this is fair. uh, I mean, a lot of rookies, it, it's all about the situation. It's, not necessarily and about he was placed perfectly. He was placed exactly where he wanted to because his his quarterback from college vouched for him and he told the front office that he wanted to pick them. So um let's move on to the other side of the ball with this Bengals defense that has really been playing well as of late. Um or not as of late. I mean they've they've played well this season. They've had moments where they've completely crumbled. They did lose to the Chicago Bears. Um I mean, Jay, I don't know if you have, like, are you, like, if the Bengals actually do win the game, are you going to be one of those guys of, like, well, at least we beat the champs? I mean, yeah. Look, we, <laughs> we beat the champs last year in the Buccaneers at home, and that was pretty impressive, but... Oh, yeah, that was the Nick Foles Thursday night yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. Nick Foles owns Tom Brady. What? Uh, anyway. But, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it was week two. The Bengals weren't in their form yet. Um, like, they were just getting, they are just getting started. Uh, it's week two, so you never know what's going to happen. Um... But I mean, that was an impressive performance by the Bears defense. But it really didn't, obviously, didn't matter in the end. But that was exciting. To, it was exciting. To, I like. I didn't know the Bengals. Like the Bengals. I thought the Bengals before the season. I thought, okay, we better beat the Bengals. Like, like we have to beat this team because we're zero one. Yeah, as a Browns fan, I was like, we better sweep the Bengals. And our our and week our week one game was the Rams, and our week two game was the Bengals. So that's actually crazy yeah. when you think about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of one of those things. Like I said, I mean, I was talking about like. I wanted the uh, I t- the I looked at the Bengals before the season. and I'm like, yeah, that's a team. I the Browns need to sweep. They need to beat them twice. And actually, they did. Uh, but I'm not gonna be the one like walking around like you know flaunting the fact that they beat 
the Bengals one time, and then they beat the Bengals JV team one time. But they did beat their JV team with their JV team. So, I mean, who's the wiser? But um, as for their defense, I know Manit's been high on them all season, but, like, just what changed? Because they were, like, the worst defense in the NFL last year, and now they're, like, they're uh, – I wouldn't say they're one of, the like, the best because I don't – actually, statistically, I think they're just kind of run of the mill. Yeah. But, like, what changed? Their cohesiveness, I think. They really all bought into, like, hey, we can put this together and win if we believe in ourselves. And that's what they've done down the stretch is really put themselves together when it matters because Joe Burrow is putting them in the situation they need to be in to win. And the defense made a stop when it mattered. I think I also think Trey Hendrickson was a huge acquisition for them. Ridiculous. If they didn't, if they didn't sign Trey Hendrickson, they their defense would have wouldn't have been that good, um, in my opinion. So I, the big the big free agency acquisition acquisition for them, and then Jesse Bates. The, those two safeties are pretty good. Um, yeah. And their secondary is much improved. Um, and their linebackers are decent. So yeah, their their defense is way better, like all across the board. So. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you mentioned Trey Hendrickson as a big pickup. I think one of their biggest pickups this offseason was Mike Hilton. I mean, what he does for them on the outside, he mainly plays the slot for them because they have, um, they have other guys out on the outside, but the, he is such a good tackler, and he, he's really good in run, in run defense. He can cover the slot better than most corners in the entire league. He's one of the better slot corners that there is. He was a really big pickup. He came from the Steelers. And you know one thing about the Steelers, they know how to play defense. I mean, Mike Tomlin is the best defensive coach in the league, I I think. But it's it's one of those things like they, they made all the right moves. It's one of those things like you brought in teams from winning cultures. You brought Trey Hendrickson from New Orleans, Mike Hilton from the Steelers, Larry Ogunjobi from the Browns. I can't even believe I'm saying that, but you did. Like you brought teams in from teams who knew how to win and that's the first step in getting to where you need to be is you need the you need to complement your young players with the right veterans to take the team to success. And Jesse Bates is I mean, he he is arguably the best safety in the entire NFL. I don't think there's really any denying that. He definitely has a case, whether or not you want to give it to him, that's I guess up to you. It's subjective. But it's, you know, like I said, they just I agree, they just they look like they're playing together. It's just one of those things like when you have a team full of young guys and veterans like that it it just tends to work out it's just they're a good mix and it's really helped them this season it'll be interesting to see if they have one more game in them because this this postseason they've been they've been like good and bad they've they've had their moments of really good success and then they've had moments of you know giving up three straight touchdowns in the first half of the AFC championship game and not helping their offense out at all or getting drubbed by the Browns in Cincinnati, 41 to 16. Yep. I'm going to just keep on saying that, but at the same, yeah, and Joe Burrow threw a 99 yard pick six or a hundred yard pick six on the first drive of the game. But um, enough about that, but no, they, they, they've had a really successful season, you know, beating two division rivals that have beat up on them the last two years. They beat them both twice. Like that's remarkable. And their defense had a lot to do with that. And, you know, I'm excited to see the matchup with the the Rams offense because the Rams the Rams provide a lot of challenges that you're not normally going to see in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. So, yeah. The final point that we have here before we get into just like some other quick stuff, and then we'll get into our predictions to wrap up the show. It's the coaching matchup. We do have to talk about this as we as I mentioned, and I kind of cut in just to say that Mike Vrabel was announced as coach of the year this season, which is a little bit surprising considering Zach Taylor and the Bengals. Um, but in the end, Zach Taylor is playing for a bigger prize than coach of the year. So he's there against his former teacher, Sean McVay. He was the quarterbacks coach for the LA Rams when he was hired by the Bengals to be their head coach. Very controversial hire. Um, you don't normally see quarterback coaches make the jump like that, especially once as young as Zach Taylor was. But, I mean, right now, the Sean McVay tree is, I mean, you can talk about the Shanahan tree, too, but to me, they're they're kind of, like, they're different trees from, like, the same root. And their yeah. their offensive foundation is built on the same, you know, fundamentals and stuff like that. So, but overall, like, just the idea of, like, yeah, Sean McVay against his old quarterback coach, just the chess match, and 
obviously Sean McVay being in a Super Bowl before and getting absolutely, I mean, out-coached, out-coached thoroughly in that game. So this is going to be kind of his redemption tour against a guy that he kind of knows inside and out because he's made him who he is. Yeah, I mean, that that Sean McVay coaching tree, like you said, Kevin O'Connell was just the recent not the recent one to get hired. I mean, it's it's going it's pretty crazy right now. And yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to this this coaching matchup. You got I mean Zach Taylor who like you said, he's a prodigy and Sean McVay's the mastermind here. And everyone is criticizing Zach Taylor, you know, last year cuz well, won four games and then I think in like the beginning the beginning of the year too and the way he's responded taking this team to the Super Bowl after you know, in the beginning of the year they they were kind of struggling a little bit. They were like you're questioning his play calling, et cetera. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for this coaching matchup. You know what Sean McVay has obviously done. He's been he's taken his team to two Super Bowls and I think like three, four division or four division titles. So yeah. Yeah, I'm. I am a fan of Zach Taylor. I will say. Um, I. You know, I heard rumors that he might have been on the hot seat had they not performed well this season. I didn't think that was justified, um, given that I thought they needed to build the offense up or needed time to, like, make that unit really gel. But they did it instantly, so you have to give him credit on that front. But um, I think Taylor's more of, like, a Mike Boonholzer-type coach in where, like, his team's really doing well in spite of his coaching. I think he's made some questionable decisions um, to this point. But obviously he's a good coach because they wouldn't be in the Super Bowl without him. I just think, you know, when it comes down to coaching, that Burrow and the team elevate Zach Taylor's play calling rather than the other way around where McVay's play calling can elevate the players. And I think you can see that because, I mean, I made the point a couple weeks ago how I still didn't really trust the Rams' offense, and I mentioned their fourth-quarter comeback. While Stafford did make and execute the offense well enough, Sean McVay's play-calling and coaching in general in that fourth quarter was one of the best jobs he's ever done um, to be able to do that. His players did execute. I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but you have to have a good guy at the helm to do that. And like I said, I think this is it's such an interesting dynamic with McVay kind of having a second shot at it, and instead of going against the best coach that's ever lived, he's going against a coach that wouldn't have this position if it wasn't for him. Like, he is the teacher now, and it's just kind of like, you know, it's just it it's very interesting and it it just all goes to just the fact that the Bengals just all together it, it's just shocking that they're here at this point. I mean it really is when you think about it. It it, it is unbelievable. But that's going to do it for the storylines at least for the Super Bowl preview. We're going to just touch on one last thing before we get into our final predictions and, you know, talk about, you know, some of our favorite prop bets, but other than that like tonight also the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2022 was announced at the NFL Honors. I'm just going to go through the class a little, just real quick. Um, but it's something that's really important to me. Like I said, it's, it's the thing that got me to fall in love with football was going to the Hall of Fame game when I was like six, seven years old. Like we had tickets every single year and we still go every year to the, now we go to the enshrinement because we're a little bit more grown up and the game isn't really worth anything. So, but something we do every year, it means a lot to me. And it's always nice to see who who's getting the nod this year. This year, Tony Baselli, Cliff Branch, Leroy Butler, Art McNally, Sam Mills, Richard Seymour, Dick Vermeil, and Bryant Young. That is the 2022 Hall of Fame class, and I'm not going to lie. I only saw one of these players play, maybe two. Yeah, this is. Um, it's one of the older classes. Um, they're trying to you know clear out some things. Some notable players who did not make it in their first time on the ballot. Andre Johnson, uh, the old wide receiver, who is he'll get in one day. And I guess the most notable player who did not get in was Devin Hester, who it was his first year on the DeMarcus ballot. Demarcus Ware didn't either, did he? Demarcus Ware did not. But he'll get again, he'll get in someday. Um, it seemed like a year that they kind of wanted to just clear out the people who have been waiting a really, really long time to get in here. Um, and obviously, they're all worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. I'm not trying to say that. I just don't really remember them playing. <laughs> I don't like yeah. The only one I think I remember seeing was like Richard Seymour, who was like absolutely, he's a stud. But like, I mean, Sam Mills was out of the league like before my time. Tony Baselli was left tackle for the Jaguars for a long time. Dick Vermeil had that. Uh, he was the cur- he was the coach of the Rams, the greatest show on turf. 
Um, he he deserves it as well. Like I mean, all these guys do. But like I said, I I don't know a lot of these guys, but that's the Hall of Fame class of 2022. Uh, nobody gets in on the first ballot this year, actually, which is insane. We actually we haven't had that in a long, long time. So. Yeah, I mean, Devin Hester. I I grew up watching Devin Hester play. He was one of my favorite players in Bears history. I mean, what do you what he was able to do on the special teams side? Everyone's saying special teams. Well, special teams doesn't really matter. Well, he had Green Bay he, showed it does. Yeah, it does. And and then they went and out he, and hired the one of the best ones in the game. And he and Devin Hester broke Deion Sanders' record for I think yeah punt returns right. He I has the record for, for return yeah. total returns. Yeah, uh, but I believe he still holds the record in both. He was one of my favorite players. I mean, what he what he was able to do for the for the Bears. Um, was just absolutely special. I mean, his speed. I I I can only remember like I don't I don't remember which game it was, but he it's like a it's like a video game. He just run, like you know he's gonna get tackled. He's gonna run the other side across the field, and then he's gonna take it in for a touchdown. It's like ninety nine yards. I mean, no first ballot for him, but he will get in eventually. Like there's no mm-hmm. doubt, one of the the greatest special teams of all time, greatest returners of all time. Um, he, he, it's just it was kind of surprising you didn't get in the first ballot, but like I can understand. Like these other players that have been waiting there for a long time to get in. So, yeah, and it's one of those things like Devin Hester's going to be when he does get in, which he he's going to get in someday. You know, he's going to have to wait his turn. There, technically, he's considered a wide receiver, and the the story with the Hall of Fame um, has always been there's a there's a log jam at receiver. Like you still talk about a lot of names that haven't gotten in. Like Reggie Wayne isn't in yet. What? Um, a lot of a lot of players right now at wide receiver. Story hold. Tory Holt's still not in yet either. Wow. So like Isaac Bruce just got in last year. So it it's one of those things like it it there's a logjam at receiver and technically with Hester being considered a receiver, he's gonna have to wait his turn. Um, but he is gonna be the first person in the Hall of Fame that's ever going to be like in the hall strictly for return purposes. Mm-hmm. Like we have kickers in the Hall of Fame. We have I think a couple punters, but like first player ever to just be known for returning kicks in the Hall of Fame. And it, it definitely has a place for it. He was that good at it. He was the best. Yeah, and, and when the Bears were in the Super Bowl in 06, they lost yeah. the Colts. First play of the game, kick return, touchdown. You know the funny thing? I remember going back, and I listened to that play every once in a while, and the announcers couldn't believe it because they said, why in the world would you kick yep. it off to Devin Hester? Like, there's a reason the Bears, back in the day, the Bears would always want to take the ball first because there was an opportunity for Devin Hester to take it to the house every single time he touched it, and they wanted the opportunity. And they could not believe back then that the Colts kicked off to Devin Hester. Like they they were speechless. They're like, kick it out of the back of the end, kick it out of bounds. Like give him the ball to forty. Do not kick the ball to Devin yeah. Hester. And they did it in the Super Bowl. And fortunately, they, for them, they still won the and game. I, and I was lucky enough but, to be at a game. I think it was like 2011 where you returned a kick against Minnesota. It was like a hundred something yards. I mean, watching him play was just amazing. So he, I, I can't wait till he gets in because he was one of my heroes. He was so. he's one of the only returners that's like ever been feared as just a returner. Yeah. Like him and Josh Cribbs, and Josh Cribbs is someone that, you know, again, I grew up with. He was my version of Devin Hester for the Browns. Mm-hmm. Um, if like Devin Hester is clearly the best returner of all time. Josh Cribbs is number two. He mm-hmm. is right there. Um, but like at the same time, like I know what that means. Like I know what that is. Like it's just it's unbelievable. It's like, yeah, some dude and Josh Cribbs probably will never get in the Hall of Fame. But like the fact is like Devin Hester was so good at just that role. He, he was yeah, as a wide receiver, like I don't really ever remember him catching a pass, but like he's so good at what he did that it just yeah. yeah. He, so, but that's enough of that. It's time for the moment that you guys have all been waiting for: the final pick'em of the season for and the year for Pylon, or the Pylon, I should say, of the year. Manit once again is the winner. Well, I think technically I can still win because like. I'm enough back that I could still catch him, but I don't really think it's going to matter. Um, but so I'm going to go around. You guys can make your picks. Give me like a prop bet that you like to and just like kind of. Well, I have, like I have the Bengals. I, I have the Bengals winning 24-21. I think I wouldn't say fairly low, low scoring game, but lower, lower scoring than many expect. Um, I, I just think that I think the Bengals, it's their time. Um, I, I think obviously the Rams are more talented, but. The Bengals are just going to ride hot into this game, and I think they're going to win. I think Joe Burrow is going to lead them to a victory. Um, I think maybe maybe a game-winning field goal by Evan McPherson. Um, that might, wouldn't that be something for him to do it four, three times in a row? He'll be like, I guess we're winning the Super Bowl. 
he'll, be, he'll, he'll go up to he'll go up to go up to Zach Taylor back. I he guess would, we're winning the Super he Bowl. He would do that. No, he would do that in his post game press conference. He'd be like, "I guess we won Super Bowl." Yeah, and then mm-hmm. my favorite my favorite prop bet is the Gatorade color. The the that's Gatorade bet. Yeah. Um, and I think it's gonna be orange because that's that's the color of the Bengals. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, so. the, it was orange two years ago. The Chiefs. See, to me, like she should have been red. I don't to know me, why. the color yeah. thing is really overrated because, like, it's it was a coincidence for a lot of years that like the color would match the team. But like, you would think about the teams who won the Super Bowl, and those were like the popular flavors. Like, blue was very common because cool blue is a pretty popular flavor. Like, red's a very popular flavor. Yellow is a very popular flavor. So like, it's all about what the players like. And apparently, the Chiefs love orange Gatorade. And last year, I will tell you, I picked the prop bet right. I picked that the Buccaneers would be blue. Because every year that Tom Brady won the Super Bowl with the Patriots and Bill Belichick was doused in Gatorade, the Gatorade was blue. And I said I thought it had something to do with the fact that Tom Brady, I don't even know if he drinks Gatorade. He's got such a weird diet. He probably like, doesn't. Even if Absolutely he did, not. I said even if he did. Gatorade's he, full of sugar. He must enjoy a nice cool blue. And I don't know how I did it, but the Gatorade bath was blue. Um, so, no, I love, I love the Gatorade bath one. That's a great one. But orange is, orange is a good pick. Orange is a popular flavor too. There's a lot of people that like orange. Um, I got the Rams. Of course you do. I mean, <laughs> I picked them yeah. at the beginning of the season. Gonna see it out. But I want Stafford to win too. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I think they win 33-30. I think it'll be a fun game. A little bit higher scoring than Jay's prediction, but I like it. I like the low scoring. I think it'd be fun to see. Yeah, I mean, I just I think the Rams' defense really is work. way too good to give up that many points. Um, so I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, the NFL is known for high scoring, but the Rams' defense is, I, I like I said, just way too good to give up over thirty points in my opinion. So for profit, will there be? Hmm. I don't know if I want number of challenges or will there be a missed extra point. Well, see, we have two spectacular kickers in this game, so like, yeah, I think I would do number of challenges. Good call. Really? Um, what is that like? Two over, and a half? it's over one and a half, and I think I'm gonna take that over. I think both coaches use their challenge. Well, Sean McVay, he used it. Well, they I have two used, challenges. I mean, each. he used it. He Sean McVay used them two of them in the NFC Championship game for some reason. Yeah. That, that they were both that bad. Could've, that could have cost them the game, to be honest. Yeah. They had no timeouts with like eight minutes left in the game. That was still, ridiculous. And they still won. And they still won because the forty boring. because Kyle Shanahan just did it again. But all right, yeah, uh, yeah. The challenges that's another good one of like in the Super Bowl. It's it's very rare actually you really see a challenge in the Super Bowl. It's just because it's so risky. Like. You don't want to be the one who cost your team a Super Bowl because you lose a timeout on a challenge. Like, it's just, unless it's like blatant, you, you just don't really see it. Yeah. I have been going back and forth on this all week. I came to my decision like a couple days ago, and I feel I feel good about it um, as much as it's probably the result that I don't want. I'm with Jay. I got the Bengals. Um, I don't even really know why. It's just one of those things like, I trust the Bengals' offense a lot more than I do the Rams' offense. And we've seen people throw everything in the kitchen sink at Joe Burrow, and nothing has phased him. You can send the pass rush. You can have the secondary. You can take away his O-line. You can take away his receivers. You can have Samaj P. Ryan as his lead running back, and he is still going to find a way to beat you. He is just a stone-cold killer. And he's going to be a problem for years and years to come. And I'm excited for the battles that the Browns are going to have with him all the way, you know, through the rest of his career because that's going to be the new rivalry in the AFC North for sure. The Battle of Ohio is back. Um, so I'm going to go with the Bengals. Score-wise, man, I don't know. It's tough because, like, I'm kind of in the middle. Like, I, I think it's going to be kind of in the middle of your two prediction. I'm going to go with the Bengals 30, Rams 26. As weird as we that. Need a score gummy for the Super Bowl. Give me twenty six. That would be so cool. Thirty to twenty six. Bengals win. I think they're gonna win on a late touchdown. They're gonna be down like 26-23. Joe Burrow goes down, gets a touchdown, wins them the Super Bowl. My favorite prop bet. I just found this one. It's hilarious. Okay. It has. It is so on the same day of Super Bowl Sunday, the Boston Celtics are playing the Atlanta Hawks at two p.m. No. The prop bet is Jason Tatum three-pointers made versus Rams total touchdowns. 
Wow. And the bet is what? Jason Tatum threes made plus 160. Wow. So is we're putting, M- we're like, putting NBA in this. Is there not a spread on that? Jason Tatum threes made plus 160. No, I don't know if there's a spread. That's stupid. They're saying that like if you bet... Jason Tatum is that's ridiculous. Is favored to make more threes than the Rams are supposed to make touchdowns well, on yeah, Super I Bowl Sunday. So. Exactly, I would too. But you know what? Let's go crazy. Jason Tatum is going to throw up bricks, and the Rams will score more touchdowns than Jason Tatum. Dog, three imagine the Rams score one <laughs> Even touchdown so, no, and Tatum doesn't so, score three. So no, <laughs> So I have the Rams scoring like twenty six points, which I'll say fine. They get. I'll say they go three touchdowns and they miss an extra point, or they go for two on one of them and they don't get it. Um, so then they kick two field goals and that's how they get to 26. But like, I think that's like, I don't know. So I'm going to say they'll score three touchdowns. Jason Tatum less than three, three pointers. Yes. We just brought the NBA into the pylon. You guys are absolutely welcome. Go Cavs. Okay. That's going to wrap up the Super Bowl. Marvin episode. Bagley. Welcome to the Pistons. <laughs> Jay, anything about the Bulls? Just throw it in there. Well, we're the three seed right now. <laughs> Why we're, did you trade chilling? Patrick no, Williams no, for Jeremy Grant? No. You're no, tied not for the three up. seed right now yeah, with we the are. Cavs. Okay, it's very close, Patrick but Williams. I, dude, we are not giving up Patrick Williams. I'm so glad they didn't do that because Patrick Williams, <laughs> look, great defender. He's he's our future. So okay, that's, that, that's enough NBA talk. But that will do it for the Super Bowl preview of the pylon. We enjoy you guys sticking around with us for the entire length of the season. It's been a blast discussing football with the both of you, and of course sharing it with everyone who listens to us on a possible weekly basis. Or if you just came up across this podcast for the First time, hang around because we have a lot of cool stuff planned this offseason, including next week, the award show. The Pileys, always a fan favorite. We did it last year. It was a lot of fun. Um, but like I said, that will do it for us this week on the Pylon. We will see you guys next week for the Pileys and to talk about the Super Bowl champion. So, peace. <laughs>